It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You are locked on magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 27th, 2018. Where did the month go? My name is Phil Prosperreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Happy to be with you here on a Tuesday. Let's get right into the action. We're going to recap all everything that happened in Monday's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And a very strange game it was. Let's get right to it. The Orlando Magic headed to Oklahoma City, and uh, uh, this this game was just bizarre in so many ways. Orlando raced out to an 11-point lead in the first quarter, let that lead slip, and it wasn't because of Russell Westbrook. Russell, Russell Westbrook was largely kept in check, uh, really the best way to describe it, didn't get his triple-double, and he didn't even score 10 points. Eight points, three for 12 shooting, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, seven turnovers, five fouls for Russell Westbrook, a minus five. Orlando did their job to keep him in check, and 
when you do that against Russell Westbrook, against the league MVP, against one of the best players in the league, that should be enough to get you a win, right? You'd think so. But Orlando continued to make a lot of self-inflicted wounds. They, they, they turned the ball themselves over a lot. And Orlando, despite being in control for much of the first half, you know, letting Oklahoma City back into the game, but still holding the lead throughout much of the third quarter, Orlando wasn't able to get themselves over the hump. A 9-0 run in the third to end the third quarter for the Oklahoma City Thunder gave the, the Thunder a seven-point lead to end the period and really deflated the magic. Orlando was playing uphill the rest of the way and could not cut into the deficit. Oklahoma City took a 10-point lead themselves. Evan Fournier with a late run to make the game look close, got it to within six or four at one point, but Paul George hits a three from the corner, made a lot of big shots down the stretch, and delivered the victory to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 112-105. to I want to go back to that third quarter, though. Orlando scoring only 15 points in the third quarter, only 43 in the second half after dropping 38 in the first quarter, 38 points in the first quarter. They weren't playing much defense, and, and those habits and that kind of rhythm really characterized the rest of the game where Orlando was really struggling to get stops consistently. But that third quarter, they were doing it. 23-15 third quarter, neither team was scoring very well. Both teams very sloppy turning the ball over, but Orlando had a lot of shots that they missed in that third quarter that they have to make. A lot of shots around the basket, a lot of wild drives, just trying to create something. And 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 we've seen this time and time again where Orlando just gets stuck. That's really the best way I have to describe it. They just get stuck. They're unable to take the next step. They're unable to take the leap forward to, 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 to get their offense going again. The ball movement stops. The player movement stops. You see a lot more isolation play. We saw it from Jonathan Simmons, from Aaron Gordon, from Evan Fournier, from Nikola Vucevic. They weren't able to get themselves unmoored. And, and with the Magic's bench struggling the way that it is right now, and I'll get into that in a moment, it, it, it just led to disaster for Orlando. And of course, when you only score 15 points in a quarter against a team that's struggling defensively like Oklahoma City and a team that's as high-powered as Oklahoma City, that will lead you to trouble. Except it didn't here. Because Oklahoma City was giving it all right back. They, they committed turnovers left and right. 20 total turnovers, leading to uh, 15 Orlando points, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm reading this right, 15 or 16. Um, it, it, it just was a frustrating game for Orlando because they, they weren't able to get get even easy shots to fall. I mean, I think there was one play. Orlando had a two-on-one fast break. Shelvin Mack ended up with the ball beneath the rim, and he knew Russell Westbrook was coming, so he stopped and kind of took a weird angle at the basket and flubbed the layup. That was the kind of effort. Those were the kind of plays that the Magic were making uh, throughout that third quarter, and it was not that they weren't getting good shots. It's not that they weren't kind of doing the right things but they weren't getting the shots to fall. And, and with each shot that didn't fall, it seemed like the frustration was growing. And, you know, this is a team where making shots determines their effort. That's that's just the way they've been all year. They weren't making shots, and so their effort waned and their effort decreased as well. And that's that's kind of what you, when you get the result that you get. Orlando did make a run in the fourth quarter. They did catch fire again, so to speak. Um, but it was just too little too late and... and Really, all these games have followed a similar track, a similar path, uh, looking very similar uh, to each other where the team gets off to a hot start. They, they come out you know, focused, ready to play, and then they're unable to maintain that through the whole 48 minutes. I think Frank Vogel really 
you know, Frank Vogel's kind of said a lot of things after games that, that, that seem to contradict each other in some way. He starts off saying, you know, we're, we are playing the right way. I do believe our guys are, are trying and, and they have good intentions and they're, and they're doing things the right way and they're playing the way we want to play. And then in the next sentence, he'll say, but we obviously didn't play hard enough. We didn't play well enough. We didn't execute well enough, well enough uh, on offense or on defense. And, you know, it's hard to reckon that both those statements can be true. And I think generally they are. I think Orlando, I think the Magic are trying to do the right things. I think they, they, they're they frustrated that they can't do a little bit more. But at the same time, they are getting outplayed. There were several possessions where Oklahoma City just dominated them on the glass. Uh, Oklahoma City with 14 offensive rebounds, out-rebounding them 50-35 to 35 in the game. Um, a lot of possessions where Orlando was just kind of standing around watching the ball instead of going and boxing out a man or attacking the rebound and, and Oklahoma City just flying in and getting the board. On top of all that, the bench for Oklahoma City just destroyed Orlando. Raymond Felton, 13 points. Jeremy Grant, 10 points. Patrick Patterson, 11 points. Alex Abrinas, 12 points. All those guys just outscoring Orlando's bench and really it's the bench units that are killing the Magic right now. Uh, as as um, as they struggle to find their wins, uh, the the starters doing their job, especially at the beginning of games, the bench giving it away, and then the starters kind of having to pick up the pieces, and and the margin for error for this Magic team is so small that that little thing can can overturn the apple cart, and I think that's what we're seeing, and that's what we're discovering here as the Magic adjust to having Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic back, and kind of adjust to, to new rotations. It's it's only been three games, so you don't want to panic, but Magic on a six game losing streak. They do got a big West Coast road trip coming up next week. They got to find a way to get some wins. They got three home games coming up. I imagine the Magic are hoping to go two and one uh, on this homestand, get some get some confidence. Probably going to get Jonathan Isaac back on Wednesday. I'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Uh, but it, it's definitely getting to a point where um, Orlando has a lot that it needs to get done and a lot that it needs to accomplish, um, and, and and it's just not happening for a full 48 minutes, and the Magic do need a full 48-minute effort to win. That's why they have the record that they have, 18-42, and 42, officially a losing record now. So the Magic got a lot of work to do and, and obviously did not get the job done on Monday night. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's run through the final stats for you. A couple interesting points to bring out. Uh, Evan Fournier, like I said, had a big close to the game, big fourth quarter, 19 points, 6 for 15, shooting 5 for 9 from beyond the arc, 4 rebounds, 2 assists for him. Just a typical, honestly, typical Evan Fournier game. Got his numbers. Scored in bunches, worked better when he was playing off of screens, when he was cutting 
uh, and the ball was moving to him and he was able to attack rotating defenses rather than trying to attack the defense as the primary ball handler. That's the, that's, that's the tired storyline that I give about Evan Fournier. I like him attacking rotating defenses. I don't like him when he catches the ball, stops, lets the defense get set, and then runs a pick and roll. He's good at the pick and roll, but not to the point where I want to run that play over and over and over and over again. I don't like him when he's the primary ball handler or the primary scorer. I think he could still lead the team in scoring, obviously, but um, I think too much, uh, too much, you know, when he struggles, that's that's when he struggles. Um, and so when he was playing really well at the end of the game, it's because he was playing the way that he needs to play. Jonathan Simmons also scored 19 points, 5 for 7 shooting, 9 for 10 from the foul line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 turnovers, most of them early, and 4 steals. Give him a lot of the credit for the job defensively on Russell Westbrook. I thought he did a pretty good job on Westbrook, uh, kept him from scoring, and he was still able to pass the ball and still able to get in transition, but Simmons played some really strong defense throughout the game, even off the ball, made some nice plays to, to block shots and challenge shots off the ball. Um, really made Westbrook's life tough as a shooter and, and made Westbrook kind of a passive observer. And that kept the magic in this game, that kept the magic uh, com- competitive and kept the magic where they needed to be to, uh, to, to to have a chance to win this game, which which the magic really did. And the magic, I think, honestly, you know, I feel this way. The magic can probably look back at this game and say, we let one slip. We, it was our mistakes. Simmons made a few of them. He, he turned the ball over a lot um, early on in the game, but... He was active with his hands, and I think once he started going offensively, he struggled offensively in the first half. But once he started getting going offensively in the second half, getting to the foul line, creating off the dribble, that was the spark the Magic needed, especially in the fourth quarter to keep this game close. Orlando scored 28 points in the fourth quarter after scoring 15 in the third. Simmons was a big driver of that, and he hasn't been consistent at that all year, but did some good work, uh, you know, one of his better games in Magic for the Magic in some time, uh, probably since the Cleveland game, actually. Uh, so a lot to like from Simmons in his play. Aaron Gordon, 18 points, 7 for 20 shooting, 1 for 7 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, 3 blocks, 2 steals, and, and an odd game for Aaron Gordon. He obviously gets his numbers, 18 points. 13 of those came in the first quarter, and it looked like Aaron was about to drop another one of those 40-point games. Ball was moving really well to him. He was he was attacking quickly. Um, he wasn't over-dribbling. You know, the things that we watch for when we say, oh, Aaron Gordon's kind of going off the rails a little bit. He did all those things in the first quarter, got started picking up his numbers, and then the, the rest of the game was just kind of odd. Second half, he had a shot where uh, he had some shots around the basket that he just didn't make, um, you know, some wild shots, some wild drives, just, just trying to, I mean, w- w- when the offense struggles, Aaron has a tendency to try and force things. To He puts a lot of responsibility on himself. I think that's kind of how he's made up, that that he feels, it's not that he's selfish. I, I don't think he's, he's selfish necessarily. I think he thinks he's trying to do what's best for his team, and that's something that he's still trying to learn how to do. It's it's one of the reasons why you know his assists are coming up, or he's kind of been experimenting a little bit more with playmaking. He's trying to figure out what he can do to. I I think it comes from a good place. I don't. That's that's what I'm trying to say. I think he's trying to help his team the best way he knows how. Whether that's actually helping the team, that's another question entirely. But. I did think Gordon did some good things. Um, uh, he was getting shots that I liked for the most part, just just not hitting them. Um, but what I do like about this game as well is Gordon did a really good job defensively on Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony finished with nine points, nine rebounds, but four for fifteen shooting. I thought Gordon did a good job staying down on on Melo's uh, pump fakes, uh, keeping his feet, keeping Melo in front of him, and challenging shots. And, and Melo hit some tough shots over Gordon. 
but Gordon played some really, really good defense, and it just reminds you how good Gordon is as a perimeter defender when he's locked in and focused on that end, and I thought he was really locked in on the defensive end, and so I don't think the game was totally unsalvageable for him despite the poor shooting percentage and despite scoring only five points after the first quarter. I thought that Gordon really contributed heavily on the defensive end and kept this game close, and, and eventually the Thunder were able to pull away, and the Thunder were able to kind of to, 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 to get, get past Orlando, but I thought Aaron did a very good job uh, there. Nikola Vucevic, 15 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks, 6 for 13 shooting, 3 for 5 from beyond the arc. Again, like Aaron Gordon, we're seeing this a lot lately, um, and I think it's because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ascribe it to, to conditioning and, and getting back into game shape, but Nikola Vucevic started off the game really, really hot, played really well in the first quarter. It was both Aaron and Vuce carrying the offense early on as, as Orlando kind of took control of the game. And then he just kind of faded away. Didn't do very much the rest of the game. Um, fouls were, pro- were a problem for him offensively as well. He had a big offensive foul late in the game. Magic were down by four. He had Raymond Felton guarding him, and, and Vucevic just kind of got his elbow a little high and and, and nailed uh, Felton in the, in the face. And that's going to get you a foul call every time if you're a big man. So just a, t- a tough break for him there. Uh, but Vucevic did good things offensively. Uh, I, I wrote this in the grades column. It, it really feels like in the three games since the Magic uh, got Vucevic back, Vucevic has picked up where he left off offensively. Unfortunately, he's also picked up, he hasn't picked up where he left off defensively. If you remember, Vucevic was playing some very good defense before his injury. Now it feels like it's old Nikola Vucevic defense. Steven Adams just destroyed him in the paint all night long. 16 points, 6 for 8 shooting, 8 rebounds. And yeah, Russell Westbrook passes Steven Adams open a lot, but Adams was bullying Vucevic in the post. He was getting rebounds. He was he was just not he was just really making it tough for Vucevic to, to exist out there and really for any Magic Center to exist. It was very similar to what Joel Embiid did to the Magic on Saturday. So a rough go for Vucevic in the post. Um, you know, just kind of a mixed bag there. It's it's hard to say uh, you know, what else say much else beside that. Other players of note, DJ Augustin, 10 points, 9 assists, but 5 turnovers for him. Uh, Shelvin Mack, 7 points, Bismack Biombo, 7 points. Mario Zonia, just 4 points on 2 for 9 shooting. The Magic fall, uh, shoot only 46.4%, 12 for 29 from beyond the arc. They shot about 70% in the first quarter. 15 for 21 from the foul line. They're out-rebounded 50 to 35. 23 assists on 39 field goal makes. Not too bad. Of course, passing is a big thing, but... 16 turnovers, all of them seem to come at a key moment, especially in the third quarter, as the Magic fall to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 112-105. to We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And like I said earlier, the, the games since the All-Star break have really followed a, a very similar pattern. Magic get off to a hot start. They take a big lead. You know, they, they scored 41 against the, against the New York Knicks last Thursday. Took a nine-point lead uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers midway through the first quarter on Saturday. Scored 38 against the Thunder on Monday. 
Then the other team inches back in. A big run. Usually when the bench comes in, the second unit struggles a little bit. Game is tight at halftime. Then the starters come back out. A little flat. And then the Magic are climbing uphill, trying to stay in the game, trying to to, to take control of the game again. All three games since the All-Star break have followed this pattern. And so... Uh, it's a small sample size, and the Magic are still getting Vucevic and and Gordon up to speed. But at the same time, why is this pattern existing? Why does this pattern exist? It is a trend, and it may not be statistically significant yet, but it is indeed a trend. Because the Magic starters have been exceptional since the All-Star break except for that third quarter stretch, especially in first quarters. So how do the Magic take advantage of this? I'm already seeing from fans calls to change the starting lineup, and and, and my response tonight at least was that the starting lineup's not the problem. I mean, and, and, and in any case, if you are going to change the starting lineup, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to really take Vooch out, even though he's playing well, and I know he takes away a lot defensively, but still gives you a lot offensively. And it's not like Ken Birch is... is Ken Birch is good. He's played well, deserves minutes, but I don't know if he's he's necessarily where you turn for a starter. You take out Jonathan Simmons? Okay, I can see that. But who are you putting in? You, you're going to trust Mario Zoni at the three? I don't think Coach... I don't think Frank Vogel does. And, and we're seeing Zoni play more three uh, of late, so, so maybe that'll grow. The reality is three games is hardly a sample size to change much of anything. And in fact, I think rotation changes is a big reason why we're seeing some of this inconsistency. Guys' roles are changing after a long time playing a certain way. Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon are getting their conditioning back. They're getting their their speed back. And now you're going to add Jonathan Isaac back into the fold on Wednesday. So there's going to be a little bit of transition and a little bit of growing curve, growing curve and 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 speed bumps and and all that. And you got to play through that. You got to find a way. But yes, all that exists. But I think it also takes away from the fact that something in this starting lineup is working. In the first quarter of games, of the first quarter of these three games, the Magic's lineup of DJ Augustin, Evan Fournier, Jonathan Simmons, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic has a 142.3 offensive rating. Let me repeat that. The Magic's current starting lineup in the first quarter, through three games, so small sample size warning is is intended, has a 142.3 offensive rating. Their defensive rating is a not good, but better than average, for the Magic at least, 107.8. Overall, that starting unit... Since the All-Star break, so small sample size alert once again, has a solid 107.5 offensive rating and a more than solid 98.6 defensive rating. This starting lineup does something right. It is a group that works well together, at least so far, in its current iteration. They are producing at the level the Magic need. And so the question then becomes, what what else is going on beneath the surface? Why can't the Magic sustain their hot starts? You look at the plus-minus, which again, huge sample size uh, error or huge sample size warning. You, you don't trust individual plus-minuses very much. But every player in the Magic starting lineup had 
at least an even plus-minus. Evan Fournier was plus zero. DJ Augustin plus one. Jonathan Simmons plus five. Aaron Gordon plus nine. Nikola Vucevic plus six. You see something similar against the Knicks the other night. Off the bench, every player off the bench had a negative plus-minus in, in Monday's game. Shelvin Mack, minus 15. Bismack Biyombo, minus 13. Mario Zonio, minus 16, being the three biggest. They're the three primary players off the bench. Again, you don't want to look at individual plus-minuses and and say, oh, th- it's clear. Mario Zonio is a problem. Minus 16. Shouldn't be playing it. That's not what, we, that's not what you do here. But you look at that trend, you take you take all those numbers together, and it does tell a story. Because the starters usually play with the starters, and the bench players usually play with the bench. So to see the Magic's bench numbers, especially their three primary bench players, performing so poorly does tell a story. And it's a story that's been told the last three games too. Where that second unit takes, the, takes a punch... And it staggers the entire team. This isn't to put the blame all on the bench because the starters haven't done very much in the second half either. In the third quarter, that same starting lineup that scores 140 points per 100 possessions in the first quarter has a 71.6 offensive rating. Defense does its job, though, at 97.7. It's not too bad. The point being, right now, there are two trouble spots, it seems, for the Magic. When the reserves come in in the second quarter, or late in the first quarter, they are unable to sustain the offensive momentum of the starters. And that's expected. There's not a lot of offensive punch off the bench. Mario Ozonia right now is probably the best scorer off the bench. and He can score, but I don't know if he's a sixth-man type guy. Not yet, at least. Second, we see at the beginning of the third quarter, the Magic come out flat. And while the defense does admirably, at least statistically, things quickly fall off the rails. And in a close game, giving up a a point differential of 20 points per 100 possessions, that takes a close game and turns it into a 10 or 11 point game. And all of a sudden, you're scrambling to get uphill. How the Magic solve this, I don't quite know. A lineup change is certainly something to consider. I don't think it is currently under consideration because I think the Magic feel like they're playing their best starting lineup. At long last, maybe the Magic stagger the lineup a little bit, make sure maybe Jonathan Simmons is in with that second group. Make sure at least one starter or one creator is in with that second group. Maybe that gets the team to, to, to experience that consistency that they need. Or maybe just getting guys back into rhythm and back into comfort with their roles will do the trick too. Jonathan Isaac coming back is going to help that team's defense. No doubt about it. And the Magic are certainly incentivized to play him a lot more. To see what they have in him. Make up for some lost time, perhaps. But there are no easy solutions because 
this is a bad team. There, there are only bad options, it feels like. And you don't want to disrupt the chemistry that that starting group has. That, that seems to be working very well statistically so far. In recent games, at least. And so the Magic are in a little bit of a pickle. And it just comes down to maybe what Vogel said all along. We've got to play a little bit harder. We've got to pay a little bit more attention to detail. And when our second unit comes in, they've got to pick up the slack. We've got to be ready to play when the ball tips in both halves. And yes, I do remember when they used to do tip-offs at halftime. It was, it was fun. I think I stopped that in the mid-90s. These aren't easy questions to answer, obviously. And I think the Magic, as much as, you know, if if they were really trying to win, I think they would shorten the rotation. I think they would stagger lineups. But because they're in the situation they're in, I think it does behoove them to play a 10-man, 11-man rotation. Get guys out there. Rashad Vaughn got his first meaningful minutes and played pretty well, I thought. I was impressed with Rashad Vaughn. I thought he played within himself. Did some nice things defensively. Got a deflection or two. Made made a layup. You know, really mixed it up on the on the glass. I was very I was very I, I was intrigued with with what he could do. And you could tell he's got good NBA length. And so the Magic, of course, have reasons to play him instead of giving Jonathan Simmons a little a few more minutes or a run with the second unit. If you want to call that tanking, then yes, the Magic are doing that, and I'm okay with that. Like let me let me be clear. I'm okay with the Magic doing that. But yeah, it's it, it doesn't help resolve this issue, and it doesn't help the team eventually win games. It puts them in a little bit of a hole. And so now it's up to that group to figure out how to get themselves out of that hole and, 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 and support a starting group that's playing exceptionally well. And so perhaps... One of the big things the Magic have to do again this summer, just like they've had to do every summer, is find some depth and find some consistency off the bench. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to check out the Locked on NBA podcast as well as the Locked on NBA podcast network. You can find it all throughout iTunes as well. Just search for Locked on NBA or Locked on and the team you are looking for. You want to get ready for Locked on Raptors. We can't do trades with them. But the Lockdown Raptors crew does a great job. We've talked with them in the past about Jeff Weltman, about Serge Ibaka. Uh, I'm sure they are enjoying this season a lot more than we are. So be sure to check them out ahead of Wednesday's game. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com as well as check us out on Twitter at omagicdaily. Once again, the final score, the Oklahoma City Thunder 112, the Orlando Magic 105. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the return of Jonathan Isaac. We'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about how he did in the G League, what I, what I saw from him in watching him play and some of the highlights from those games, uh, as well as what to expect from him when he returns, as well as the upcoming roster crunch that will bring. But for now, that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. 
You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.